This is Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, where people from our firm share their insights on developments currently shaping markets, industries, and the global economy. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. Across industries, technology is transforming the way virtually every company does business. While it's hard to keep up with the breakneck pace of innovation, today's guest, George Lee, comes as close as anyone to being able to do that. George is the co-chairman of the Global Technology, Media, and Telecom Group at Goldman Sachs, and the Chief Information Officer for our Investment Banking Division. He's here today to discuss artificial intelligence, one of the most significant developments in technology today. George, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jake. Great to be here. George, you're immersed in these issues on a daily basis with some of the leading technologists in the world. But let's step back for a second. For some of our listeners who might not be as familiar with an artificial intelligence, how do you define it? How do you explain to the layperson what artificial intelligence means to the technologists? Um, you know, I, the way I think about it is really AI is an attempt to simulate human-level cognition, recognition, and even reasoning at some level in, in computing and with algorithms. And, you know, the thing is that sounds sort of fantastical, but the, the truth is we experience it every day, in, uh, certainly on, in technology and online. Things like, you know, advanced, uh, advanced online search, the placement of online advertisements, recommendation engines, and e-commerce, all those things are fundamentally artificial intelligence applications. The ability to finish my sentence for me when I'm looking for something on a search engine? Exactly. That's a great example because it um, leverages the fact that it's seen so many searches that start out with the beginning of the string you entered that it can pattern match from that huge data set and supply you an answer that has some level of intuitiveness to it. Yeah. It's interesting, the interplay, because sometimes you begin to type something, it starts guessing for you, and you think, well, gosh, I hadn't been meaning to look for that, but, but maybe that's, that's interesting. <laughs> it, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, they, see that, they see that phenomenon. By the way, this is one of the paradoxes of artificial intelligence today, which is um, you know, something that's originally defined as a very ambitious artificial intelligence or machine learning application, once it becomes commonplace, stops being AI and starts just being regarded as a feature. So we definitely see that. Yeah. So let's think about the historical evolution of artificial intelligence. Not like it's a new term, machine right. learning, those phrases have been around for a while. We've had some false springs on the AI front uh, where it seemed like the technology was just about to break through and, and then it hit a wall. Um, where are we now? Is this different? Yeah, it's, as, as someone said, those are the most dangerous terms in, in technology and financial markets. This time it's different. Um, that having been said, it does feel like we are in a fundamentally different place. And you're right, the I think the term artificial intelligence goes back some 60 years, and there have been lots of surges of productivity in this area of study and then a set of disappointments. Today, the ability to have the processing power and speed that's afforded by the cloud and new technologies um, and the ability to uh, access and create huge amounts of data because of mobility and big data those two things are fundamentally new assets for the evolution of AI that I think create the promise of vaulting it to a new level. Uh, so let's talk about the connection a little bit between big data and artificial intelligence, mm. machine learning. What does that mean for the, the shape of innovation in the sector? I would say big data is a natural complement to the development of artificial intelligence today because in a sense 
big data demands artificial intelligence. The size and scale of the data sets that are getting created really defy any human ability to comprehend such vastness and so many different data points and pieces of information. And so the ability to harness technology to crawl across those data sets and try to draw out meaning and insight is uh, really, really important. And so they're very mutually dependent phenomenon, which is to say AI thrives in scenarios where there's big data, and the availability of big data allows you to train computers by giving them a lot of information that allows them to be more intelligent and draw out more insight. George, startups have the ability to use this technology, but also established companies. How are startups looking at disrupting current business models, current ways of doing business, and then how are established companies thinking about incorporating artificial intelligence and big data into ensuring that they're one step ahead of the startups and those trying to disrupt their industries? This is not just purely a Silicon Valley phenomenon by any means. So some of the areas that are fascinating around this are healthcare diagnostics. So if you think about a really capable artificial intelligence set of algorithms, you can create a machine that has almost infinite knowledge with respect to medical matters, case histories, um, academic papers, etc., and allow it to try to pattern match what it detects in the person being and the phenomenon being diagnosed against that infinite knowledge. And while that um, may or may not be uh, better than humans, it's certainly a great complement to human intuition in coming up with possible diagnoses for healthcare issues. And so that is an area where we see a lot of innovation. Um, so self- places you know, where yeah. you could reduce basically the risk of medical error too, which has been a huge problem for the industry. Yeah, in a way, but if you think about what a doctor does, right, he's scanning his memory banks to um, try to match the symptoms that are being detected to a set of um, possible outcomes or possible disease states that match those symptoms. And he's taking advantage of all his experience and what he reads and has seen over time. A lot of that functionality actually can be provided by the computer and then delivered to that doctor who can help shape and and leverage that asset. You know, another area that's much talked about are self-driving cars or assisted driving scenarios, which really are, you know, a very sophisticated machine learning and artificial intelligence application when you think about it. The scanners on the top of self-driving cars are gathering enormous amounts of data in real time. They're matching that data against a collective knowledge of what could possibly occur and making small predictions. It's also a great example of how artificial intelligence and machine learning benefit from cumulative effects and network effects in the sense of every mile or hour that a self-driving car drives, it gets smarter. It has more experiences, it observes more situations, it gathers more data. Moreover, that data can be shared across a fleet of different cars. And so the experience of every car, the observations of every car kind of gather and cumulatively and mutually affect any given car in that network. Right. And the power of that could be quite substantial. Take a firm like Goldman Sachs. How do, how do we use artificial intelligence in the way we conduct business today, and how might we be using it in the uh, months and, and years to come? Right. Well, it, it, it's first of all, it's a, it is a field of technology where there's, we have a lot of expertise in the firm. There's an enormous amount of work and study and development uh, going into 
ways that we can harness machine learning and artificial intelligence to serve our clients better and more efficiently. And you know, one area where we certainly see uh, lots of applications for this is if you think about the day-to-day at, at Goldman Sachs, particularly in the operational domains, we collect absolutely vast amounts of data about securities transactions, about you know operational exchanges with all of our clients. Those data sets are so vast that it's very hard for any human or any group of humans to crawl across them and try to detect areas where we can do better, where we can serve clients better and more efficiently. And with smart algorithms and a vast data set, we can have machines crawl across that data set and come back to us and propose operational improvements that can allow us to work better with our clients. And so that's a a huge area of emphasis for us today. George, there have been some great, fascinating debates about artificial intelligence and its impact on society. And these aren't debates between Luddites and technologists. These are debates between people who love technology who've innovated in the field, some of the smartest people about technology today, and yet they have very different emotional reactions and very different points of view about what the future holds. Talk a little bit about those debates and the extent to which each side is making a fair point. It is an important debate and one that's fascinating because some of the keenest observers and smartest people in technology are coming out very clearly, almost in a polar sense, on either side of this debate. The two fundamental schools are, one, the extraordinary capability and promise of artificial intelligence and the fact that um, it can grow smarter and more capable every day and There's a sort of Moore's Law phenomenon of exponential improvement of artificial intelligence is something that if we uh, wait to try to figure out how to build guardrails later on, it's going to be too late. You know, Elon Musk, I think, has been probably the most prominent observer of that, and I think he's very passionate about the idea that we have to study um, and think about writing the rules of the road, if you will, um, sooner rather than later. And by the way, you can, you can spin up some pretty scary scenarios when you extend this vast capability without a sense of ethics and reasonableness in, in machines. One of, the, you know, one of the interesting examples that people use is a scenario called the paperclip maximizer, mm-hmm. which is to say if you had a computer with infinite capabilities and you programmed it with a singular objective, which is to maximize the production of paperclips, Imagine what it would do without the boundaries that come with human ethics. So it would immediately construct a scenario where it drove all of its competitors out of business. It might uh, manipulate markets to corner all the resources that you use to make a paperclip. It might try to protect against its own potential mortality by creating a copy of itself and distributing it around the network. And you take all of these things to their extreme, and you can imagine a pa- something as simple as a machine designed to maximize the production of paper clips could have huge knock-on effects in financial markets. On the other side of the ledger, people which you know prominently include Mark Andreessen as a, as a spokesman, I think, for this perspective, which is um, that is a fair consideration, but that point in time is so far distant that we shouldn't concern ourselves or... Uh, inhibit the innovation in artificial machine learning today, gum up the works, if you will, because the time in which there's any real threat on this basis is not 10 years or 20 years away, it's 50 years or beyond. And so, therefore, too much hand-wringing, over-regulation, 
today will just be an inhibitor to innovation, which and that innovation can be so leveraging, so helpful, so important to the economy, the creation of jobs, fundamentally instead of the destruction of jobs, that we just should encourage it. When I hear you talk, George, I sometimes have a hard time determining what is artificial about the intelligence you describe. So how do we distinguish between artificial intelligence, which is trying to mimic the human brain, and intelligence itself? It's a great question, and you know it can lead you to a debate on what is the nature of human intelligence. And by that, by the way, that debate is front and center in some of the different approaches to artificial intelligence, which I, I can talk about. But you know, in some ways, it's um, you know, is the accumulation of information knowledge, or is there more to it? And you know, one of the thought experiments on this is interesting. What some of the really promising, exciting new artificial intelligence strategies harness the vastness of processing and processing speed that's available in the cloud. And in order to make a decision, they will try a bunch of different approaches to a problem. By the way, solving a video game, for instance, as a, as a test scenario. And they'll try literally millions of scenarios and then slowly but surely or quickly but surely eliminate failed strategies to determine the optimal path. And so the question is, is that intelligence or is that just brute force? Um, and at some level, does our brain work that way or doesn't it? Which again leads to this big debate in artificial intelligence, which will artificial intelligence, as it um, becomes developed in the next 10 or 20 or 30 years, will it really mimic the structure and function of the human brain or will it be something different and um, entirely innovative and new? And so there are a bunch of academics and researchers and developers who believe that ultimately the way to create artificial intelligence is by mimicking and improving the way that the human brain works. That's sort of the neural networking approach. There are other researchers who believe that machines will never be able to replicate that unique approach to so problems. So they want to focus on what machines do well. And find other you know, innovative and wholly new approaches to problem solving. So really interesting debate. Um, talk a little bit about the future holds. We've seen a lot happen in a very short period of time, but what can we expect to see over the next couple years in the space? Uh, it's hard to project much further than that, but by the next couple years, what are the trends that we might be seeing across a range of industries? Right. Again, as I said, you know, it's funny, this artificial intelligence, machine learning, while they seem, you know, very futuristic are things that we experience every day in the way that we, um, we interact with online resources in particular. And so one answer is artificial intelligence and machine learning will just continue more progressively imbue all the activities that we, we do online. You know, Kevin Kelly, who is an editor at Wired, wrote a piece where he basically said what the future holds for machine learning is that everything that we formerly electrified will now be what he called cognitized, basically made smarter by the application of a little bit of AI and machine learning. He also observed, which, by the way, I can certainly agree with, given my my position in Silicon Valley, is he, he basically said you can you know the next ten thousand startups in the world can be defined as take X some activity and add AI to it, and so the rise of big data, the rise of smart algorithms, a lot of the activities in Silicon Valley and in the entrepreneurial startup community are around taking everyday experiences applying more data to those, and then trying to develop algorithms that just make them better, more efficient, and more satisfying experiences for consumers and businesses. I think for the foreseeable future, um, it's going to be a great complement to human capability and that it will 
it will leverage us and that a lot of what we'll do will be co-work with these either machines or or algorithms. Um, you know, one of the great examples of that is, you know, the smartest thing on the planet today is neither man nor machine. It's a combination of the two. So the world's greatest chess masters um, and the world's greatest chess supercomputers can both be beaten by a very good chess player with the benefit of a laptop and a smart chess program. Right. So an interesting way of saying that, you know, when we work really closely with machines and with technology, we can actually achieve more than is possible, certainly on our own, but certainly today more than can be achieved with a machine alone. George, thank you very much for joining us today. A great discussion and left us with a lot to think about. Thanks, Jake. This is Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. I'm Jake Seward. Thank you very much for joining us today and listening. This podcast was recorded on March 4th, 2015. The information contained in this recording was obtained from publicly available sources and has not been independently verified by Goldman Sachs. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this recording, and any liability as a result of this recording is expressly disclaimed. This recording should not be relied upon to evaluate any potential transaction. Goldman Sachs is not giving investment advice by means of this recording, and this recording does not establish a client relationship with Goldman Sachs.